Welcome to Travis Bites. My name is David Roy, and today I am joined by John Travis to talk about young people in construction. Mr. John, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go down kind of why we want to talk about uh, young people in construction real quick, and then uh, we'll lead into some questions because I'm looking forward to picking your brain on um, on how to implement young people in construction. Is that okay with you? Of course. Pick away. Fantastic. So um, construction as a whole is facing a labor challenge that seems to worsen every year. A major contributing factor to the shortage of labor is a lack of young workers, typically from 18 to 25. Um, we, we here at Travis, I, I would say, face a similar issue, but we also have plenty of young people who work here with us at the moment. So uh, this conversation looks to address some of the questions that may aid in uh, helping us work with young people or maybe bringing more young people um, into the company. Um, so my first question for you is uh, how do we as a company convince people my age to understand that it is a good paying career path to come work here at uh, either at Travis or in the trades in general? I think there's a common misconception among people my age that working in construction means I'm not going to get paid as much or um, it's a little, it's too physical labor or something like that. And they don't feel like it would properly utilize their skill sets or their uh, motivations, uh, I would say. Um, so my question to you is, of course, you know, how do we, how do we prove them wrong? Not necessarily because we want to prove them wrong, but maybe because they're, they've been led astray or they're not as informed as they could be. So good questions. So I guess two parts you're talking about. One is wages, and the other is the physical aspect of what we do. And I think you're specifically talking about the field. And here for you and I, we have painters that are in the field, uh, both inside and outside. So they may be working outside in the heat of the summer or inside a project, for example, that doesn't have a ton of air conditioning for a period of time. Uh, we may be lifting things. We may be uh, utilizing scaffolding and, and different items that uh, uh, require physical effort and labor, right? So of those two things, working backwards, on the physical aspect, you and I build buildings. Our men and women that work here build buildings. And there is a physical aspect to doing that. So in my experience, I don't have a way around that one. Right. Uh, in the end, we're going to pick up a bucket of paint. We're going to pick up a paintbrush. We're going to run a pole or an airless uh, on the millwork side, we're going to swing a hammer or a drill or use equipment to, to build beautiful products. In my experience, who we attract and who, I guess, stick it out is maybe the word to say it, is those people who enjoy creating things. Right. Those people who enjoy the process of working in a group, working in a team, uh, to start with nothing a pile of wood, a bucket of paint that's a colored liquid. Right. And at the end, they have helped contribute or flat out create something that is beautiful, something that lasts, something that they, if they didn't do it all themselves, which most likely they're not, right. they were a part of, and you can see it every day, what you're doing. So those people that enjoy that process, there are many people that enjoy working with their hands, there's many, many people that enjoy uh, that act of creation. Those are the people who we're looking for. Um, and so I guess what I'm getting at is if we're trying to convince somebody who 
doesn't like to get off the couch or is terrified of a hammer or, you know, doesn't like getting on a ladder, that's not going to be a good fit for us. And quite frankly, it's not going to be a good fit for them. Right. We're looking for people who enjoy that process. And on the wages, I don't know that we need to convince anybody of anything. You can walk in here and here's the starting wage for somebody who's a helper or uh, at the beginning of their career. And here's somebody who's experienced. And quite frankly, those things are comparable to many uh, jobs that uh, people that have uh, bachelor's degrees, uh, we might be competing against. So on that one, whatever the misconception used to be, and I don't know that there ever was one in my experience, but if there was, I can tell you that's definitely not the case. There are men and women who work here that have been here 5, 10, 15, you know, years uh, that make more than people with master's degrees that, mm-hmm. you know, make make wonderful livings. And they put in a lot of effort and skill, and they may not have gone to school per se to do that, but they did go to school, right? right? They went to the school of experience. They went to the school of, uh, of figuring it out and uh, learning uh, on the job, and um, they do quite well. Regarding um, regarding the school of learning on the job, you know, there's a there's a something that um, I was talking to some of our younger painters here about this recently. I'm not going to name names, but I was just having conversations with them. Um, some of them they have a hard time seeing that path, you know, from starting from from just lifting five gallon buckets from one side of the job to the other. Um, they don't see that path of progression necessarily all that well here. And it's something that's a little concerning for them, although they know that there is a path, they just don't know what it is. So how would you describe that path to them? I guess either in a position way or is there like some sort of school or something like that that we're trying to implement and or build up to maybe help these people um, progress in their career? So in that, yes, you know, we have a curriculum that, we've been working on for several years to have a jet school or whatever you might want to call it. Yeah. That is a more formalized way of teaching some of these skills, almost like a checklist. Can someone do this? Can someone do that? We do want to implement that. However, in my experience, what has worked the best is really the mentorship, which is somebody comes in new Uh, Somebody comes in and they're 19 years old, they're 18 years old, they're 20 years old, let's say. And some people come in and they're 30 Uh and, you know, they may be new to it, but they want to try it. They want to see, they're excited about it. They have a love of building and creating. Um, You know, we're putting those people on purpose with experienced uh, elder folks that have been doing this a long time. And it's under that stewardship, if you will, that, that I have found that the transfer of knowledge happens best. Now, uh, some people are better teachers than others. That is true. But by and large, uh, people that are mentored well, in my experience, are going to be here. You know, we've been in business 22 years, and people have been here 20 years. And they didn't start out as a 20-year veteran. They started out, you know, 18, 19, 20, and, and they're still here. So that progression, I think, works best. Now, you know, for those that say, I don't see it, um, 
Also, in my experience, that happens blue collar, that happens white collar. That happens in the office as a project manager, that happens uh, in the field in a trade, uh, that help happens uh, in the plant uh, for somebody on, somebody on an assembly line, for example. And I think what we can do a better job of is reminding people, articulating, even though we do, maybe we need to do it more or sometimes one-on-one. We, we're touching everybody at least once a year, uh, oftentimes two to four times a year in terms of how they're doing, what we're seeing, this is what we're looking for. So those, I think, I think if there's an area of improvement for us, to, it, it's the communication of where people are at. Because the reality is when you're learning, you might, uh, let's say you're a painter in the field. At the very beginning, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be uh, hauling paint. You're going to be prepping. You're going to be sanding. You're going to be caulking. Uh, and it's kind of like Karate Kid. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. That may be before your time, Dad Gummit. Hey, uh, hey, you know, but at the beginning, you know, Mr. Miyagi says, uh, here's the can of paint or sealer, whatever it was. Here's the fence. And you're going to go up. Ah, and you're going to go down. Ah, <laughs> right? And he looks at all the fence and he comes, you know, and he does it all day, whatever it is. And he doesn't understand the purpose. Then uh, Miyagi comes back and says, you're not even done. you got to do the other side, right? Yeah. And you can get in the middle of that, and it can get lost to some degree. And then at the end, Miyagi comes, and he has to defend him, and he puts his hand up and down, and it makes sense what they're learning. Right. And I think that's life. I mean, I, that's a silly example, but that is what it's like. You know, somebody may for the first year or so— uh, be doing the prepping and the caulking and the sanding and the hauling stuff around and the, the, the mixing of the paint and those kind of things. And it seems more fun that uh, this other person is getting to spray and make these big, fast decisions. And we're all going left, we're going right, what, whatever it is that person's doing. But the reality is, if you don't have the base groundwork done, right. you're never going to get to that other point. Yeah. Um, and I have seen that process happen quickly and I've had it seen it take years right meaning that uh, we say if you're a crackerjack nobody's going to hold you back you know and a lot of that has to do with the drive the desire uh, the quality the willingness of the individual but uh, um, you know as far as somebody wants to go how do we help them so um, would you say that a very very important part of, of finding that path certainly comes down to the individual's uh, drive to want to learn and to uh, build upon the, that foundation every day, to come here and, and put the best best foot forward just to learn and to improve themselves both as a person and a worker? Yeah, I, I believe that not just here. To me, I believe that in life. That's a philosophical thing. It doesn't matter if you're one of my kids or somebody that I have the opportunity to work with. Reality is you're making a good wage. I'm making a good Just take me. You, know, you, you pay me a wage. For that wage, whether I want to do this job today or not, right, mm-hmm. I've got to come in every morning, swing my battle axe, do the best that I can do in what God puts, p- puts in front of me, whether I feel great that day, whether I don't feel great, whether I love, 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 love <laughs> having to go solve this issue or problem, that's what you're paying me to go do. And so in the doing of that, I may not like it, but I can tell you the next time I'm ever faced with that issue, it's a lot easier for me. Right. It's a lot simpler. And so on those days, I may want to be doing something else. I might want to be a farmer. I might you know, <laughs> you just tell, you know, I, I want to be you, right? <laughs> you know, just get me out from underneath this. Yeah. But in that, uh, that's my job. Right. And 
as I do these things over and over and over, what I've found after 20-some years, I'm not doing the same thing I did 20 years ago. And the reality is my title is exactly the same. Right. Right? Uh-huh. Um, you could actually argue what you pay me is <laughs> very similar <laughs> to what it was. Right? Uh. But And yet, what I do that day is totally different. Right? right? Mm-hmm. And you look back, and it's hard to see when you're in the moment, but I look back at all of the experience, knowledge, learning, um, relationships, and that's what it's about. And would you say that because of all of this, uh, you, the one thing that you you really focused on when you were going through the process, when you first started out here all the way to today, and this is still kind of on that philosophical tangent, but um, I've learned that a lot of people who are my age, we got three things that we all try to focus on whenever we're entering into a workforce, and that is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. We want to be able to, to have the, um, the ability to operate on our own because we're trusted. We want to be able to master the concepts and technical skills of our job, and we want that job to give us good purpose. Do you think that here at Travis, all three of those opportunities are given out to people? I, I would say yes. I do believe that they are. I, I would agree. You know, so working backwards, it all— of the three you mentioned, it's going to start with purpose. Right. And again, as we mentioned earlier, if you like to create, if you like to build, um, there's no better place than in the construction trade, you know, prayerfully with us, but any of them, to have that opportunity to work in a group to create something lasting, valuable, that helps service a need of people and individuals who we work for. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's wonderful. And if you enjoy doing that, and seeing that what you did happened uh, in right in front of you, you're going to love it. And um, so I think purpose definitely there. In terms of the mastery aspect, it's one of the few things you can totally see by the moment how you're doing. It's a constant evaluation, meaning that you're painting a wall. Did I do it well or not? You can see how you're doing it while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. It was nothing. It right. was blank. And then when it's done, did you do it? Did you do it well? Right? Are you proud of that? Are you know? Are you excited about that? You don't have to guess. We don't have to sit here and say, "Did you do it?" You know, you, it's not like mythical. It's all you, very hard. <laughs> it's very hard and concrete. Yeah. You're, you're building uh, a cabinet or a custom desk. You started with nothing. Uh, it's a pile of wood. Right. It's screws. You know, it's glue. Uh, when you're done, you created something. You right. did that, or you were part of a team that did that. Did you do it well? <laughs> I mean, you could evaluate at every step of the of the way. So literally, right. you you could be a painter uh, in the field, uh, and maybe you got an, an AirPod in one ear because the other ear is open, so yeah. uh, you, can, you can hear, yeah. right? And while you're listening to whatever floats your boat, Mozart, a podcast, you name it, you can create the most beautiful thing all day. Right. Right? So mastery, you know, you're looking at it. You want to do it well? You want to practice it? It's the Miyagi Karate Kid deal. There you go. Uh, Yeah. You know, and you get in a room. Typically, there's four walls. How'd you do on the first one? Hey, you know what? (laughs) I did the second one a little bit better. Hey, the third one I did better. You know, make a game out of it. I did it better, and I was faster. Mm -hmm. Um, So mastery, if you like self-evaluation, if you like um, having control over your product, 
Um, boom, here you go. Yeah. And I think your last one was at autonomy. Now here, we work in groups. Right. Uh, we work in teams. And so um, sometimes someone might come in and feel like they know exactly how the sun ought to set and shine. And, you know, reality is they've been there for 10 minutes and you've got people that have been here for 20 and even before me and family, 30, 40 years. Yeah. So I would encourage patience. I would encourage... <laughs> For anyone, listen first, or let's say this, listen first and listen more. Right. Right? Um, But what an opportunity to go learn and be with a group of men and women who've done this, who can help mentor you. Um, And even for, you know what, I don't like, David, I'm working for you. I don't like how you talk to me, right? I I think you're too gruff. You know, you're a little too, uh, um, you're trumping on my sensitivities. Right. That's a learning experience, too. Yeah, because that's life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we deal with family that are like that. We deal yep. with neighbors that are like with that. We deal with people, uh, you know, uh, when we're out at night or at church, that <laughs> are all different kinds. What an opportunity of how can I do this well, even with people that, quite frankly, I I really don't want to go eat a burger with, right? <laughs> um, and and I think here, thankfully, you know, that's very minority of people. So we work in a group. But within the group, you have autonomy for your portion. And to the degree that you do that well and earn that trust, like anything you and I do in life, is the degree that you will achieve more autonomy. Right. Um, some people like to, uh, you know, paint a room all by themselves. And sometimes they do. A foreman might set up and say, hey, you, you two guys go right and left. You take the left side of the hall, you take the right. Right. right? You go cut in, you go ahead, uh, you two... You two cut, you you roll, right? right. Uh, on uh, cabinetry, you may be, uh, you're an assembler on your own line. Uh, you might be in the custom department where you have certain things that are, quote, yours, all part of the whole, right. but things that are yours to the degree, again, that you do them well, right? And you're judicious of your time, your talent, your energy uh, is to the degree you'll get more and more of those responsibilities. Now, having said all that, in some of these tasks, even though you could do some of them yourself, maybe better to do it in a group. Right. 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 Yep. It's faster. It's quicker. Right. Um, you know, some of our folks, you know, take painting for example. You know, some of these crews they've been together for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you walk in there, and I feel like the oddball because it's <laughs> it's family. You're walking in on a family that is doing something together, even though one guy lives on the north side, one guy lives on the south side, one guy lives on the east side, right. all from different backgrounds. Yeah. And it's amazing. Um, and so some people work very well, even tighter of a team. Right. Um, I hope that answers your question. I, I No, I think that does. How lucky are we to be able to build things and do it with wonderful people? Isn't that yeah, nice? uh, it makes the day go a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, man. Um, so what is something that, that you would like to tell our young guns as we, as we work through this industry and we, we work together here at Travis? Like, what is, what is a piece of advice from the old sage that is John Travis that you can impart upon us? Oh, my goodness. You use the word old again. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> you know what? Uh, um, I, I think it would be the patience, mainly because I am horrible at that. I have historically been horrible at that, mm-hmm. and I'll play the age card. But, you know, I, I was always um, often uh, in a hurry, 
impatient, and you could argue to some extent, some extent today as well, um, I fight against that tendency. Um, but as I look back at everything that I've had an opportunity to learn, people I've had an opportunity to be around, skills that I didn't have that I have now, uh, it is a lot. It is a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the, the key to success is longevity. It, it, it is that analogy that Pop used to go in and hammer in the rock. I mean, that is, in my experience, that's what life is, is just go at it and go at it and go at it and go at it. You know, we say we wake up every day and swing our battle axe right. and do the best we can. And at night we go put it up and go home and, and be a dad and a husband and a friend and a, and a neighbor. Um, but I think it's patience. You know, uh, the moment is now. The moment you've been given is the one that you're in now. Right. And it can be, for me, easy to be in a hurry, easy to be overwhelmed about what happens next, uh, anxious, if you will, about maybe where I'm not or what I wish would happen. And in doing that, my Achilles heel is I miss the moment. Right. And even though I'm living in it and things are happening, I miss the enjoyment of it. So my encouragement to young people is go live life. Yeah. Enjoy your life. Uh, learn what you like and what you don't like. Make friends, make relationships here and in life. Enjoy that. Uh, mm-hmm. Go have a family if you choose to have a family. And then when you're at work, be a diligent and good worker. Uh, when you're at work, uh, absorb, listen, have patience. Be a sponge. Yeah, be a sponge. And for those that are diligent, that care, for those that uh, are hard workers— Everything you want to have happen, or I imagine you might want, is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Because it'll have to, because your talent, your skill, your desire all rise to the surface, and it is evidenced by all. It just takes time. I agree. I think that's wonderful wisdom. Thank you very much for coming out here today. No, thank you for having me, and look forward to it again. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. After a hotly contested bidding war between Travis Millwork and Strawberry Woodwork, Travis Companies came out on top. What project were they bidding on? A custom addition to a desk that William Barrett Travis used during his time as the commanding officer of the Texas Army at the Alamo in 1836. Naturally, Travis Companies wished to have the chance to restore and improve upon such an important item of San Antonio history. However, it became clear soon after the arrival of the desk that sometimes history doesn't want to be tampered with. On the night of September 26, 2022, four Travis employees claimed to have been haunted by a ghost, the ghost of William Barrett Travis himself. Frighteningly, the desk seems to have disappeared as well. This issue has prompted John Travis to put together a crack team of investigators to get to the bottom of this frightening affair. The team needs your help to figure out what happened, so listen closely as we disclose the findings of this investigation. Interestingly, the four employees who were spooked by the ghost of William Barrett Travis were the only employees on site at the time. This makes them our prime suspects for the evening's affairs. Let's introduce them now. Suspect 1, Eric the Engineer. Eric is a new hire here at Travis and hasn't had time to build relationships with his co-workers. Lately, he has been a tad unreliable, disappearing here or there without warning and sometimes missing entire days. However, he always produces a valid reason for his behavior when questioned. Eric was supposed to stay late to work on the designs of the desk edition, but left earlier than expected when he got spooked in the bathroom by the ghost of William Barrett Travis. Suspect 2, Frank the Facilities Manager. Frank failed to lock up the cage that evening due to being frightened by the ghost when he was doing his rounds in the dark, empty shop. On September 27th, 
he arrived to work in a brand new Ford F-150. An interesting turn of events since he only received the truck after the historic desk went missing. Suspect 3, Ernest the Estimator. Ernest has been against the Alamo desk project from the start. Every time he believes he's finished plugging in the cost to complete the custom desk, another R5 pops up, forcing him to rework his numbers all over again. He was staying late to work up yet another cost adjustment proposal when he heard a bone-chilling cackle near the cage where the desk was being stored. Deciding not to find out what the noise was, he quickly grabbed his keys and took off to head home. Suspect 4, Patty the Purchaser. Due to supply shortages, she was unable to procure all the needed supplies to build the addition to the desk. Because of this, when she received an email from a supplier she'd never seen before, she quickly opened it to see if they had what she needed. Unfortunately for her, the email was apparently sent from the ghost of William Barrett Travis as the spooky spirit laughed maniacally and fried her computer while turning off the lights in her room. Because of this frightening incident, Patty quickly grabbed all of her things and left. Who is behind these frightening encounters? Where did the desk disappear to? You must analyze the facts and help the Travis investigation team get to the bottom of this spooky spectacle. Stay tuned next week for more clues to identify the culprit responsible for all this turmoil.